Let's get it done. Okay, yeah. All right. Hey, Macca. Hey, Streety. How are you, buddy? Hey, Nugget. Howdy, boys. And hello to our very special guest all the way from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Sean Simmons. Legends. How are you? Thanks for joining Good us, buddy. mate. Thanks for having me. Now, for all those listening, Macca isn't quite drunk. He's just uh, working from home. We, we did catch that first bit of audio, that little soundbite as I press record. Yeah, Macca's in wow. full... Cognitive function at the moment. Now, although, if he, if he was drunk, it might be funnier. If you're a stakeholder of Hunter Water, who is my employer, I have been working diligently from home and this is not on company time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, good to so, see you, Johnny. Uh, good to see you, fellas. Yeah. Stark difference. Uh, got a lot of jerseys going on compared to uh, hoodies and, and snowfall. Mate, it's a bit different in terms of climate. You are just in the middle of a big snow dump, you've told us, and uh, yep. we are sweating our asses off in a 40-degree humidity day. So Yeah, very hot. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love so it. Uh, Love fake it. NBA singlets that you buy off eBay for 39 bucks uh, in high <laughs> rotation at the moment. Paddy's um, yeah. Markets in Sydney, right? That's yeah. Why <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't even go there. Just yeah. get them off eBay. Just delivered 39 bucks. Thanks for coming. And speaking of issues with our employers, Sean does not endorse anything that's not licensed apparel no. from the National Basketball Association. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, if, I'm only wearing uh, fake Miami, Miami Heat, those, uh, those cool Miami Vice ones, the black shirts. But, yeah, but rest assured, anything that was um, Philadelphia 76ers related would be official apparel. Of course. Get your one, same, same, but different. It's all good. Yeah. That's good, boys. We're about two and a half minutes in, and both Sean and I have lost our jobs. So that's great. <laughs> Okay. Well, on the topic, Sean, um, let's just talk about your job and your role um, at the moment, um, living in Philadelphia. Um, You're obviously the elder sibling of Ben, Ben Simmons. Yep. And um, you've been with him probably from the very start of when he began his NBA journey and prior to that through high school and college. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a bit of a wild ride. So... I mean, I moved over here um, not with the intention of, of um, working with Ben to, for any of this, in fact. So I moved to LA about seven years ago, um, just kind of on my own accord. And then, um, and then Ben started to kind of get a bit more, uh, a bit more love on the media with, uh, with high school. And then he was moving into LSU. And just before he moved, to LSU, he hit me, he rang me randomly while I was, I was at a bar actually. Um, <laughs> and, um, I'm pretty sure that's the last time I saw you, we were at a bar. Yeah, you know, a lot, long, been, a lot of long yeah. days, a lot of long days. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, um, he hit me randomly and was just like, look, uh, I'm going to need someone with me. Mm. Like, do you like, be my manager? And it was as simple as that. And I yeah, right. just kind of, yeah, well, sure, like, let's do it. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, I'm I'm in Baton Rouge, which I would never in a million years think I'd be living in Baton Rouge for 
any oh. time of my life. Um, What's the difference um, between LA and Baton Rouge? A big one or a stark difference? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Everything, everything in the water boy is actually very accurate with Adam Sandler. Super accurate. <laughs> 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 oh wow, that's um, cool. <laughs> and then yeah, so we, we, I was in Baton Rouge. Then he finished up college. Uh, we we spent time in Arizona briefly with our sister Emily um, before yeah. we transitioned to Cleveland, where his agent was living at the time. So Rich Paul and clutch agency um and he did his pre-draft training there for i think it was about three months and at that stage that's when um the Cavs were going into the finals against the warriors and that was the year yeah. that they won actually uh, so yeah. cleveland was hyped so it was actually uh, they, so that was yeah. when that came from three one down right is that right yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. that was that was awesome to be around um, yeah that city would have been going off that been it was awesome. It was actually amazing. We we caught a couple. We actually got to a couple of those games in the finals, and it was electric. Yeah, but that atmosphere is because uh, Le- LeBron had kind of sort of um, earmarked Ben as a as a potential you know f- future star, and uh, and got him on board sort of with along with Rich Paul with uh, with Clutch. So yeah. you know, was there a lot of mentoring um, f- for Ben from LeBron at a young age when he was sort of coming through? Yeah, I think like, you know, those guys, I think Dwayne Wade was actually one as well who, who mentored him quite a bit when he was younger. Um, you know, the the NBA guys, they see they see potential and they saw the potential in Ben and, um, and they kind of just take him under their wing. Like, mm. like intentions or not, like I think most, most, um, most guys want to look after those younger guys coming through. Um, yeah. So you found Ben in Vegas one year. He, was, um, he did a weight session with... Um, with uh, D Wade and LeBron, um, you know, and, and things like that before he'd even hit college and stuff like that. So, you know, they yeah. knew that he was coming through and he'd, he'd, be, um, he'd be making it to the NBA eventually. Um, mm. But during that time in Cleveland, I mean, there was, you know, NBA player after NBA player coming through those um, pre draft trainings, which were closed off. So no one was coming through. But you had guys like John Wall um, at the time who was about to sign with the agency. You had Tristan Thompson coming through a lot. Um, all those guys are just willing to support, which is which is actually really awesome. Um, but I know Ben talks to LeBron quite a bit, um, just back and forth, whether it be text or calling or whatever. Um, you know, they're not hanging out and you know yeah. doing whatever LeBron's doing on Tucker Tuesday or whatever. It is. <laughs> <laughs> they, they communicate quite a bit, uh, which is good because you want that. Like he's yeah. he's the best player of our era, so you know you gotta you gotta hand it to him. But um, they have a, they have a good relationship. Sean, is that one of the things that surprised you about when you started to see all this process roll out, that there was a camaraderie and a mentorship from the guys already in the league? Because because I don't know whether that's always been around. I'm not really sure. But was that a surprise to you? Um, it wasn't necessarily a surprise because you know that not everyone's like that. Mm. Um, I think the thing that surprised me is some people some people expect it. Mm. um the mentorship and stuff like that but i think if you go into it not expecting it and just kind of Mm. on your own lane it's probably better off to be honest because that way you know at the end of the day you've got yourself to um you're backing yourself basically so is Mm. and what i mean by that is like the the nba is first and foremost a business so Mm. you know your mentor could be your you know your teammate the next day Mm. he could get traded Blah blah blah. Could be leaving. You know, things yeah. happen in this in this um, in this league, and it's it's like a soap opera most of the time. Um, yeah. Off the court, uh, it's pretty cutthroat. I mean, you see those trades 
who was it? Was it last year or the year before someone got traded during a game? Like, uh, yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> who was yeah. that? It was uh, guy from the Mavericks. Yeah, maybe <clears throat> it was the year before because they weren't in the bubble. And the, yeah. yeah, he found out like quarter time or something. He's like, what? <laughs> to check out of the game. Was that Harrison Barnes? No. I don't yes. Know I think, yeah, he got traded to the Kings. Yeah. The Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it was Harrison Barnes. I was like, yeah, but that guy's, he has, like, he's been one of those guys that's been a bit like trade bait, right? So, like, but it's yeah. kind of, but at quarter yeah. time, it's like, I'm going back out there blazing. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Just forget. We're it. not going out at all. Well, yeah, too. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. This, I'm out. See you later. <laughs> And so, Sean, oh, sorry, sorry, mate, I was going to say, in that, uh, in that pre-draft process that Ben went through prior to, to, to getting picked, just yep. sort of, you know, was, was that sort of within the clutch agency? And it's kind of how intense were those sort of workouts and, and were there are scouts allowed or, you know, teams interested with the high draft picks or how did that sort of process generally play out? For Ben, given that he was in the position he was in, going projected number one, he didn't, we, the plan was not to work out for anyone. Yeah, um, and the reason that people do that because you see that a lot now. You see guys that's not working out for teams if they're like top one, two, three pick. Um, the reason is that you don't want teams to discredit um, the player openly in media um, to try and drop their stock. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a strategic strategic part of it to say just to close it off. Be like, look, just just train, do your thing, get better. We'll worry about the teams and stuff like that. And when we're ready to introduce you to a team, when we're more closer to the date of the draft that's when we'll open it up and say okay well you know you're going to work out for the projected number two team which is you know whoever it may be at the time so there's yeah, yeah. a lot of strategy behind that but the the training sessions themselves with ben were pretty intense he was doing two a days with lifts in there and it was always early starts like 8 a.m starts um workout lift and then go back to the gym at night and work out again so was, is that part of your daily role, Sean, to, to coordinate his schedule for all of that? Not just during that pre-draft period, but even off-season-wise? Is that part of what you do? So in that draft period, I was super wet behind the ears. So the agency was basically running everything as far as yeah. the training. Yeah. Stuff. I was kind of just there mm. learning the ropes. Um, yeah, sure. As we've gone on, I, I, I run Ben's schedule now as far as, you know, trainers, um, his wellness, so therapists, you know, whoever that may be, um, yeah. whatever he needs, a chef, like a driver, whatever it is, like that's that's what's coordinated through through my role at the moment and more. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's a pretty full on uh, thing. When you when you break it down to everything that he needs to kind of mm. step on the court and do what he does, there's a lot of people yeah. and pieces that are in place to, to put those people um, where they need to be. Well, I imagine yeah. that his time has always been, even from probably prior to college, in pretty high demand, right? So it's a, it must be a juggling act for you to also then make sure you're looking after his well-being from the perspective of not overdoing it for him too. Yeah, no, it's definitely a balance. Um, when you're weighing up team commitments with, you know, his marketing commitments with, you know, media commitments, mm. and then on top of that, he's got his own life. And then, you know, outside of his own personal life, he's got his family, which is big mm. as you all know so mm. it's um there's a lot going on and you, you definitely have to balance it in a way that's not overwhelming because you can see why guys get caught up in and kind of in in doing way too much of one thing and, and not enough of the other it's, it's very easy to do that especially at a level that ben's at like he could ben, ben could pretty much just play an average basketball game but then be inundated with marketing opportunities but his, mm. his playing suffers from that so you know there's definitely a fine balance with making sure that he's um, doing what he needs to do in order to be performing on the court. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sean, you said you were wet behind the ears during the pre-draft process, mate. Like, uh, what is it, Ben's third year or coming? Fourth year in, coming up, fourth, isn't it? Fourth year, sorry. Fourth year of playing, yeah. fifth year. Yeah, fourth year on the court, fifth year in the league. Yeah. Um, for all the Utah fans out there, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> did you your learning curve mate that's been pretty steep or has it been a gradual experience for you coming to terms with what you have to do baptism by fire most definitely yeah yeah, yeah. um you go through the draft process and you know ben got drafted we hung out in new york that night and then the next day we're in philly he's doing his media conference um you're staying the night there and then after that, it was a bit of a blur, actually. But mm. we went to, where did we go? We went to Miami for a minute, and he mm. did some training, light training. Um, and then we were basically waiting in Miami until the team came up with his rookie contract. Right. Um, and so we had to wait until that was all approved, until he committed to going to Utah, actually, for yeah. um, Summer League. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it was uh, Vegas, which was a two-week thing, which felt like six months in Vegas. It was the longest <laughs> time. Of my life. Like it was, just, it was just crazy. Um, Why is that? Like then, just because it was just because it's Vegas? Summer League. Summer League. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. Like, did it feel like a long time just because there was heaps to do or what was that? Well, actually, there was nothing to do because he was uh, 19 at the time. So they, he couldn't go out at all. So, oh, wow. um, Man, that is a depressing he, place to be then when if you can't go out and play it. It's very boring when you're not. <laughs> you're not oh, you could ride around, the roller coaster at the New York Casino. That's, a, yeah, <laughs> we go. That, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Man, I think yeah, we went yeah. to um, Top Golf every night. It was, <laughs> <laughs> my driving a, game was another lo- another long drive competition. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, um, then after that, we we dipped to um, we went to we went to Philly. Uh, we got to Philly during the Democratic convention. That was oh, when no. um, oh. yeah uh, Hillary was going up against Trump. So it was all <laughs> Hillary. Yeah, she still uh, should have won, mate. I had good money on her, B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then from there, we, you know, it's, the rest is history. We found a place, and, um, and now, and now we're, we're, we're cruising. But, um, so what was that like, Sean? Like, draft night, New York City, your brother gets announced, number one pick. Surreal or just felt like it wasn't happening? Or were you just like, yeah, I told you. Like, did you look at you? <laughs> Did you look at did you look at Dave and go, yeah, fucking see, mate? Or what happened there? I think it was all of the above. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, it was kind of a mix of everything because we were mm. confident in Ben, like as a as a player. So we're like, yeah, of course he's going mm. number one. But the thing is, you're sitting around the other families as well. So we're sitting. Who was in that draft? It was it was Ben and um, Brandon Ingram went second. Brandon Ingram, yeah. So his, Ingram's family was sitting in front of us, mm. and then um, Jalen Brown's family was sitting to the left of us and we're all kind of just side-eyeing each other like <laughs> wow. who's going number one we knew we were going number one <laughs> did you know that like as yeah. from a confidence perspective did you get the tip like from philly that they wanted him or was that just as much of a surprise we still kind of up until the last minute mate, who no knows? we knew we knew yeah. what was happening so yeah, okay. um he like philly had made the commitment um yeah. and, and we knew he was going is that why ben didn't go to oceanography class 
Yeah, that's why he missed Ocean Because <laughs> <laughs> be I mean, a regret of his when he grows up. I'm mate, sure. from a dude who grew up in Newcastle, dude, the flags are there. They're red, they're yellow. That's pretty much it. I can't imagine the syllabus extends too much further than that, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you swim out far enough as is a shark, you're screwed. You know, if you can swim yeah. good, just go swim and just avoid the sharks and... Don't leave, your, don't leave your keys under the towel. That's about oceanography back here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, um, mate, I'll ask one in terms of, um, and it was, it was when we asked him, you know, Liam, as far as at, at what point did you sort of sit back and go, holy shit, um, I mean, you'd been living in America for a, a while, but yeah. I mean, what was Liam talking about? It was one he went to dinner or something. It was like, Leonardo DiCaprio sitting there with someone else, and he's just like, "What the oh, hell? Yeah. Like this is yeah, just weird." Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you have, do you have a point of... in time where you sort of went, "Holy shit! Like, look at this, man!" Yeah, I did actually. Um, embarrassing story. Uh, there was uh, the ESPYS. Oh um, yeah, were happening. This was before Ben went to college. Again, before Ben went to college, so I was living in uh, LA, and there was the uninterrupted. Um, party that they, that they threw and everyone was there everyone who was anyone was, was mm. at that party mm. um, and Ben was there and Steve Nash walked in and Steve Nash is my all time favourite player you love that guy love that guy <laughs> yeah, that guy. yeah, yeah. Fan, Steve Nash fan just, just love him um, and I prided myself on not getting starstruck like ever mm. yeah. up until that point Captain um, Cool, so, Captain Cool, just play it cool. Ben. I'm like, I was like, Ben, Steve Nash. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you want me to introduce you? I'm like, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I do. <laughs> yeah. so ben walks over and like taps him. He's like, Steve, it's my brother, Sean. And Ben leaves straight away. Just does the oh. intro. <laughs> so I'm there with Steve Nash just trying to like hold a conversation. I sound like a creepy stalker because I know everything about him. I was like, oh, you're in New York last week doing your um your soccer foundation thing. You just released a book, right? It's like, did you just buy a house in California as well? Like, and <laughs> the creepiest shit ever. Uh, and then he was like, uh, yeah. And he's like, he, Steve was so creeped out. He introduced me to his friend and then Steve left. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe every everyone that's a celebrity brings a friend to those events so they can introduce that friend to whoever. Sure. So I'm that friend that gets introduced by Ben. <laughs> Sean, at those events, how far can a, a good Aussie accent get you? It'll get you pretty far. It got me as far as being um, Zach Randolph's um, security guard getting him through a crowd oh, nice. yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, um, i was talking <laughs> me and zebra are super tight now by the way Zach <laughs> was trying to get out trying to leave the event and i was probably about 10 tequilas in and i felt pretty confident and the the dance floor was pretty packed yeah. So I was like, don't worry, Zebo, I got you. And just started like pushing people <laughs> out of the way, just clearing the path for him. The dude's like seven foot and 3,000 pounds. He could have clearly done it himself, but that was quite a prideful moment on, on my behalf. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's way better than my starstruck moment. I once cleared a dance floor for Grant Denyer. Yeah, the old host. <laughs> like, uh, so, you know, it's a bit same, same, but different, as they say. So, <laughs> so Shawnee, the... This last year, 2020, mate, like, so your learning experience of all of that sounds amazing, but this, this must have turned it all on its head, right? Like you couldn't have learned what to do during this period. So the COVID experience, take us through that. Yeah. Um, it just kind of, it, 
it really pulled everything back. Mm. So you can't like, you know, obviously being very hands-on, it's kind of, you, you take a step back and, you know, you realize that you actually realize that you don't need as many things as what you previously thought. So yeah. you strip back a lot of stuff. Um, that's probably the, the biggest eye opener for me. Mm. Um, as far as my job pertaining to Ben, it was like, dude, like I can't really be around you right now. I've got a family. Um, we don't know what's going on. So I've got to stay here and not be infected by this virus. Yeah. Um, but he pretty much prepared himself. Um, he was coming up with back impingement as well. So he was rehabbing just at home. Because um, he had already, I think he, he was already ruled out with that injury when the league shut down, wasn't he? He wasn't actually playing. Was, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, well, he wasn't um, coming back. And then the, the, the delay kind of bought him time uh, and he was able to play yeah. again for the playoffs. This yeah. year, now that you're saying all this, this year feels like it's gone for a lifetime. Yeah, mm. that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. So he had the impingement, which happened against the Bucks. Um, and then that was all fixed up. And then, yeah, the, the um, shutdown of the league, which was wild because I went to the – Ben wasn't playing, but I went to the game they are playing against Detroit. Mm. And then as I was leaving the game, the announcement was seasons off. Yeah, wow. Um, wow. But there was a – leading up to that, um, I listen to Philadelphia sports radio quite a bit because um, it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, Philadelphia fans are just nuts. They um, are the craziest sports fans I've ever been around, right? Like, so when yeah. I traveled to Philly and I went to a Phillies game – and then, anyway, there was an incident later that night in the hotel, but that, that was involved. That doesn't matter. But, like, so, <laughs> but those guys, man, like, they get really wild. Like, and I'm like, they are so passionate. And it feels like a violent city around sports sometimes, right? Yes. Like, is that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, it's life threatening, but it's not at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We, so, that was the week. Yeah. Anyway, that's a long story, but that's yeah. People were debating like whether they go to the game and go mm. fans on the on the radio. They're like, I don't fucking care. I'm going like, yeah, right. I'm here to support my sixes. And like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. right. So people put their lives on the line. Then it was shut off. Yeah, and then um, you know, we were just waiting. Like no one knew what was going on. I was talking to agents, reporters, like people mm. with, like working at Nike. No one knew what was going to happen. And then mm. slowly but surely, the the NBA started to get their stuff together and and pulled off the bubble which was you know now that you look at it it's pretty amazing that they even pulled that off in the yeah. first place um so yeah and, i mean they went down there it wasn't wasn't a great situation for the sixes but mm. what was ben's level of confidence going into the bubble mate like for him you know like you have to step back out and go back to work right like yeah is, was he feeling good about it was he was he worried as well because there's always a natural anxiety about this stuff yeah, I think it was a it was a natural like um, apprehension about doing it because you don't know what you're going into. But mm. I think as far as his confidence level, confidence level as far as playing, I think it was actually really up. Mm. I remember talking to him going into it, and he felt really good, and um, mm. his body was great, and I think he was just getting itching just to kind of get back on the court, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then it just they played a game. They, their initial game that they played, um, they all played really well and killed it. And then the next game was just flat, mm. um, and now knowing what i know about what you know happened in the bubble and, and all that sort of stuff like you can kind of put two and two together like that bubble environment mm. could be super toxic for people that need to escape the basketball world and and have other things to do outside of that but like you could not escape it in that bubble like you were yeah, surrounded yeah. by opposition teams you're with your whole team like the the whole time it's like being 12 years old at a, at a rep camp like whatever mm. whatever it may be like you were stuck there 
to go as far as you can go. So um, it was it was pretty it was pretty funny hearing Ben's perspective on it as far as you know, like the playing competitive part that's all fine, mm. um, but the once you step off the court, like you're still within that environment. So, and it's a, it's a super competitive environment. These guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on them to perform. Mm. You know, some of these guys need to step outside that world to just take a break and, and, mm. and switch off for a minute. And I think Jalen Brown said it as well. Like that mental toxicity of, of the, of the bubble was, was pretty, um, it was pretty in your face. So. Yeah. I mean, Paul George was quoted as saying that uh, he found it really, really tough and he, you know, uh, he copped a lot of flack for his performance in the playoffs. But, um, yeah. you know, a, a lot of the feedback and stuff you listen to is the level of basketball was maybe better in uh, compared to normal simply because of the lack of travel and you had recovery and rest. But there's the human element that sort of was essentially taken away, like guys who, as you said, you know, really sort of get comfort in, in getting away from basketball and spending yeah. time with their family and friends. And to them, that, that's kind of their... There, so their pressure release, where you know um, the, the pressures of that environment can affect someone adversely, and where the other person may may thrive on that. Uh, and you know, you really saw, you know, but basketball aside, um, the, the human element probably affected the way things went in there, just as much as anything else. Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't agree more. You definitely saw that the human element of it. Um, you definitely saw some dudes that went off as well. They had some great nights that you would not expect to have had a great night. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the whole Phoenix, <laughs> the whole Phoenix run. It's like the whole Phoenix run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, TJ Warren with the paces going off. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jamal Murray as well having 50 point games like back to back. Like that's stuff that you wouldn't see mm. in front of a crowd, I don't believe. Like those, yeah. those, are, those, are, those are highlights that wouldn't normally happen. And a lot of that can also have a bit to do with the lead up to it because they had so much time to kind of get their bodies right as well. But then, oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, definitely, so, definitely, yeah, um, yeah. The the guys that took advantage of that because they couldn't go into the the facilities, no one had access mm. to that, so they were doing it on their own individual time. So mm. those that were doing that were were well and truly um, on the grind the whole time, which was yeah, um, which was interesting to see. So. Sean, Just that a- um, oh, sorry, Shreedy, that. That kind of mental well-being and the aspect of getting away from the game. You, Ben's of often spoken about the importance of family for him, but mm. but for you guys as a family, obviously there's a lot of you that are involved in in Ben's support network. Has that been like something you guys have deliberately done? Has that just come about because you're a particularly tight family anyway? I mean, I imagine that that's a big part of how Ben gets away from the game sometimes as well, right? To spend time with you guys but also just to kind of have you around at the same time. Yeah, I think there's a, that uh, comfortability with having family around. I think he mm. enjoys having me around kind of all the time. <laughs> needs, having me around all the time. Mm. Um, yeah, the, it's, a, it's a comfort level of, of knowing that someone's there who you can definitely 1 million percent trust in their judgment and, and kind of what they bring to the table. Yeah. Um, you know, knowing Ben and the way that I do, it's once the game's over, the game's over. Like, yeah. you know, you, you talk about it for like 15 minutes after and then after that you're talking about whatever whatever else is going on. And then, well, it's his, know, uh, his Instagram hashtag O-T-T-E-N-O. Was it? On to the next one. the next one, exactly. That's what we hmm. like, we'd literally say that. Like, if he was at an away game and he lost, then just be like, fuck it, on to the next one. Like, don't worry about it. 
because there are so yeah, many yeah. games like, you got to get caught up on on a loss like it's it's ridiculous like this thing moves so quickly um mm. that you just have to keep on going um yeah. and given that they were uh, you know a highly touted team like you can't get caught up in 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 the minutiae of the media and and and, and all, all all of that i say the word a lot but fuckery that happens with outside the uh, outside the court like there's so much stuff that these guys have to kind of listen to and deal with you just they need to switch up and have that um that circle around them that can, can support them and and, yeah. and know what they're going through and, and know that you know it's not all about basketball at the end of the day there's, there's a whole big wide world out there going on so. yeah mm. just going back to the reference you made about your family so probably the last over the last 10 10 or so years um the nba that probably the biggest sort of stories in the last decade have been uh, the Golden State Warriors, LeBron and whatever team he's been on, um, and the process of the Philadelphia 76ers and, and, and just sort of what they've done to, to get to the point. And then obviously when they got to the point, everything that happened with Markel Fultz and then their, their front office and then coaching, hiring and firings and, and then all the stuff about Ben's game and, and his sort of you know, deficiencies and, and, and areas like that. And, and, and Philadelphia being a city that it is with, you know, such passionate fans and a very sort of, you know, fair to say a critical fan base who aren't afraid to voice their opinions. How has some of that negative stuff that comes from within the city affected, uh, you know, Ben, but more so probably, you know, uh, his parent, your, your parents and, and your sort of family at large, obviously, because there'd be almost like uh, 360 degrees worth of jabs coming from yeah. everywhere all the time. Well, any three yeah. idiots with computers can have a podcast, right? So. <laughs> well, exactly. But, you know, like, you've got three you idiots it, like us, but, but, then you, but then you have national media with personalities and guys like Stephen A and uh, who is it, the Bruce Art and that um, Kellum and all, all those clowns just get on there and, and uh, you know, they're just talking and they have to fill a 24-7 news cycle um, and often sports is a great thing to chat about and then you have your, you know, your... your in, in a city sort of stations and radios and, and the topic is always about the sixes are they good or you know what about Ben shot are they him and Embiid a good fit and that's coming all the time that's got to have some kind of an effect on on not only Ben but you know you guys as a family unit trying to sort of deflect a lot of that um stuff yeah. that's coming yeah I mean you just you get used to it right yeah so Ben's you know Ben's in the spotlight a lot and I, I think it's funny actually reading the um the Australian articles I, I punish myself and I actually watch, you know, ESPN and, and read articles and stuff like that, just because I like to hear what people are saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, what I've grown to be able to do is, is not feel any indifferent about it. Like I don't mm. care if it's a good article or a negative article, it kind of just, just bounces off me and mm. I don't really bring that energy into anything else. So um, I think we've all gotten used to that as a family, just to kind of like, there are always going to be things said um, and you can't really control how, narratives are going to be told um you know ben's the reality of it is that ben's 24 years old and he's a two-time all-star and um first team all defense at 24 years old and still has a ceiling that's super high so anyone that's calling you know his game deficient is kind of probably a little bit foolish when you think about it in yeah in in, in perspective um so you know we we know those things and you know i see him during the tra um, during summer training and, and working on his game and, and these are the things that instill confidence in, in me and our family like you know we know he's putting in the work so the results will come the results will come like, you know I mean, LeBron's 35 well, the results shoots. the results are coming right like, yeah, like it's not even, 
Like yeah. we, we often, as people anyway, we don't look at what we've currently got. And the, the list of things that you just rattled off, man, they're pretty fucking good, right? So, yeah. so like, I mean, they're, they're great. I mean, he's, he's never missed the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. Billy didn't make the playoffs, you know, until he got there for, what was it, the process? So that was, you know, uh, quite a few years mm-hmm. in the making. In the first year Ben steps on the court, they make it. And, you know, that in itself is isn't an achievement um for the city and they they haven't missed the playoffs since and two seasons ago you were one bounce away from you know making yeah. it to the the conference finals like it, it's so crazy to me like to hear these stories and, and people's impatience with um with nurturing talent and, and getting to the place that you need to be like i think the yeah. warriors story is so amazing I reckon Ben would have blocked that shot from Kawhi if Embiid hadn't switched that defensive <laughs> play, by the way. Just quietly. I just... Well, just quietly, that was – I was there with Liam. That was the yeah. best sporting moment, even though they lost. That was the most amazing sporting That would have been pretty awesome to see. Yeah. The worst part of it, though, the worst part, because the Canadians are too fucking nice. Mm. They all knew we were from Philly. So, yeah, yeah, shot yeah. goes in, crowd goes bananas. Yeah. They turn around, oh – Better luck next year, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like shaking our hands and stuff. Like, no, no, no. no, 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 no you're, from, you're from Australia and Philly. That's not okay. We're not, that's we're no, not just going to take that. Like, we're just okay going to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, the, the Warriors story, they, they drafted well and they, um, they developed their talent and mm. they did it at such a high level. And then they, they, they reaped the rewards of, of being patient. Like, it's, mm. it's so simple. Like, the Bulls did the same thing. If you look at their their six time championships, they drafted well, and then they recruited well. So, you know, they they reap the rewards of that. Like the teams that have patience through all this. Like I, I hate the narrative of teams being built to win now. Like it's just mm. I, that narrative sucks. Oh, because super team. Well, there's no longevity in it. Like there's, there's never been longevity in a team being built up like that and and having um, long standing success. How much of that do you think teams like they make it to the finals, but they don't necessarily win. Like it's great that you get to the finals, but you know, he's won a chip with the Lakers, which is great. And he'll probably go into the finals again this year. But when you're talking about the Cavs, how they kept on building and rebuilding and stuff like that, like, you know, just, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me and knowing the talent that Philly has had Mm. um, and has kind of squandered it, kind of blows your mind. Like you you have guys like Nerls Noel, like Jalil Okafor, you know, Markel's another one. Um, it was a, uh, Drew Holiday. Like, you've yeah. got guys like that that could still be on this team as, mm-hmm. as almost veterans now, leading these, like, Ben and Joels. You could have had an amazing, amazing team, but it is what it is. Does Philadelphia have kind of a bit of a soft spot for Markel, considering all that sort of he went through? And, I mean, I don't think anyone really knows the full full story um you know in a big great documentary one day except for you 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 probably have a good idea as to what actually happened but yeah i um, love michael as a kid i've never really watched him play he's he's the nicest sweetest kid i've ever met um and his family's great does philadelphia feel sorry for him absolutely not like they they don't care it's (laughs) cutthroat there right like that's is that part of the narrative against you know this win win now mentality that's that seems like when i was there that seemed like philadelphia right like they were yeah they were unforgiving of any type of mediocrity. And you've got you got you got two types of fans kind of in Philly. You've got the you got the win now, like kind of this isn't good enough, and they blow up as soon as something goes wrong. And then you got the kind of the, the level-headed fan um, who just wants to see kind of guys work hard mm. and, and ultimately win. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, Philly, Philly wants success now. They've never really had basketball success, like, at a high level. I mean, they consider the Iverson years high level, but they never won anything. Yeah. Um, they won, you know, They're in a position to do it now. They almost yeah. remember those years more fondly now that they're not around rather than I think when they, when Iverson was there, I think it's kind of like a, like uh, during, during his time, I don't know that, that I would have, like, I don't think they would have been celebrating Iverson as much as what they do now and kind of go, Oh, we loved it when he was there. (laughs) I've heard some stories. Bit of a legend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they they look back a bit more fondly on that than they did when they didn't realize what they had when they, when he was there, I guess. Yeah. The NBA also, also had an era in the early two thousands, you know, they talk about, you know, the, the dress code and David Stern and you had a group of owners that were pretty old school sort of born, you know, from the 30s and 30s and 50s and you got these 70 year old owners who you know really sort of had a bit of a disconnect with the 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 rapidly sort of changing culture in that early early period so you know there was a lot of differences of opinion and then you know stern sort of you know ran things a certain way and then gradually he's now gone and then the league's sort of shifting in a a different direction and you know there's more of a connection with players and and culture and all that sort of stuff and Mm. you know i think a lot of those behaviors and I call them behaviours in inverted commas because it's, you know, um, it's more widely accepted as the norm where, yeah. you know, back in the day, people, you know, thought of Iverson as a bit of a punk and a thug because he had tats and, you know, he, he wore baggy clothes and he was a bit of a rebel, but, you know, he yeah, left it on yeah, the court yeah. and, and he was yeah. a great player. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and Philly loves that. Hard nose, blue collar, like, that's, that's Philadelphia in a nutshell and that's what they'll always be. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's who they... That's who they get behind. So a guy like Carson Wentz when he put into the Super Bowl, like that's that kind of guy. Mm. The unexpected underdog who's who's winning. So they don't yeah. love him so much now, though, right? No, they do not love him at all. <laughs> <laughs> Turned on him pretty badly. Yeah. Well, they under at the new quarterback in uh, little Jalen Hurts recently, didn't they? He's uh, he won yeah. the won his yeah. first game. Made his debut against the Saints and did pretty well. Uh, Actually, have you? Have you ran into Jordan Mylata, uh, who plays the big Aussie guy? That's my guy. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. I've met him before. He, I photographed him at a wedding, his brother's wedding oh, really? back in Australia last year. Yeah. He's mad. He's, he's the biggest uh, human I've ever seen. He's massive. He's, he's the funniest dude. Um, yeah, he is. He's a good really guy. good guy. Yeah, I'm glad to actually see him on the field. I've known him for like a couple of years, obviously, since he's been in Philly, but to see him actually playing now is awesome. So. Yeah. yeah, it's cool that he's developed so much that they put him out there, hey? Just yeah. while we're just diverging a little bit, Streety, I just want to diverge. Man, have you had like a haircut and put gel in your hair for this particular podcast? You like no, it's just my look. You, that's amazing. Dressed it up, up for Shawnee. Jeez. So you got a bit of fake tan going there too, mate. Well, no, I've been well, I've been spending plenty of time in the sun outside by the pool and uh oh, right. yeah, you know, it's summer, mate. Bloody. Just getting my get my summer rig in order. The old job <laughs> the old job program's got his employment perks, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm plenty busy with work at the moment. It's too much, but uh, all good. No. Anyway, looking uh, good, Shreddy. Looking good, brother. <laughs> Sean, uh, just can you just give us a bit of an insight? So we had the, the the bubble sort of situation, and then the election sort of came along, and then this the Black Lives Matter sort of uh, you had this collision course of all all these sort of big things happen all at once in the states. Um, trying to navigate that with an NBA season and uncertainty and, you know, different cities with different dramas. What was that like just to, to live there as a resident of a city and then also be part of something that, you know, is such plays such a big role in the city? Yeah, it was, I mean, 
nothing could prepare you for kind of what happened over the over that course of time. Um, yeah, I, one word to describe it was just chaos, basically. Mm. Um, you know, you, you're dealing with the pandemic. Like I said, we've got a newborn seven months now, but she was born into this pandemic and um, the unknown of, of that whole situation at that time was just, you know, it was scary, basically. We didn't see anyone. I, like Diane went into, we went into hospital, had the baby, came out, and we didn't see anyone for a few weeks. And, you know, usually during that time, you're, your family's around, your friends are yeah. seeing the baby, you know, you're interacting, doing all that sort of stuff. So that was you like, need it. You need a bit of that help. Like, you yeah, need absolutely. Like, that's that was a just, tough thing to go through on your own, dude. Yeah, that was um, that was just off the cards completely. Mm. So we just, you know, dealt with it. Um, the thing is, we've never had a child before, so it's it's all we know now. So it's yeah, like, of course. Um, mm. But then, you know, you're dealing with the COVID stuff on a daily basis. And then on top of that, you've got the president who's just... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe him anymore. It's just ridiculous. The, the guy's like, he's, I don't know. I don't, it's you comical. See it over there, but it's just, it's, it's just comical. It's weird. Yeah. Like, you know, clearing streets with the army to take a photo in front of the church with holding a Bible upside down. What are you doing? It's so yeah. stupid. And then, you know, we look outside and there's protests every day down the street, like big, big protests. And um, the first protest that, um, that happened was, um, was obviously the biggest one. And literally a block away, you're seeing cop cars on fire. Um, you know, they looted, looted the city. Um, I've got friends that are police officers in Philadelphia. And they're just like, we don't want to come to work. Like, we yeah, yeah. Do not want to work. Mm. It's, it's dangerous. Like, you're fearing you'd be fearing for your life on a number of levels right like obviously the 100 percent. plus also yeah. then then what was going to happen that night absolutely like no one was going out for a while like when you when you see the news over over back in australia and you see like boarded up um shops and stuff like that you're talking about major cities mm. that are boarded up and it's, <clears throat> it's bizarre like it's something out of iron legend like it's just yeah. like desolated city i couldn't even imagine what new york was like at that time during the peak of COVID. like no one was going anywhere yeah they had the highest rate of infection and death like it was it was absolute madness but then fast forward it to when we went out to la a couple months ago to um, do ben's uh, pre-season training mm. they were boarding up whole streets um in anticipation of the election yeah so you know, they were expecting riots from from the election results for or against trump like either way they're expecting mm. rights it was mm. just it, it was a bizarre um situation to be kind of um involved in and, mm. and seeing firsthand so um, sure. you know and then you put the nba stuff on top of that you're mm. kind of that was almost the escape like going to ben's training during that time and that was the escape of just not having to worry about anything because yeah that's what we know like we know basketball we know sport like this is it's your consistent base you to come back to right yeah, exactly. It felt yeah. that was what got normal. Uh, mm. Everything else is just weird. Sean, you've spent seven years over there in the states, mate, and, and now you've got a family there, right? So, congratulations on the daughter, by the way. But um, and on becoming engaged. But, mate, what do you see? Like, what do you see as being the thing that that kind of the difference between the the two countries is a bit obvious, but. You know, why does that happen so much? Like right now, Trump, he didn't, like he lost the election, right? Like that's undoubted. But he didn't lose it by much, right? And so it's not like there's, like 
there is still going to be that conflict amongst that country for a long time. I feel like it's a country that's going to be divided for a fair while, right? Whatever that means. Are you worried about that? You raised your family there. You're obviously making your living there. How does that feel for you, mate? Yeah, it's 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 different. You know, dad's black, obviously. Pops is black. You know, so we're kind of dealing with it internally as well as a family because living in Australia, you never really dealt with those issues. We know we know about them, obviously. Mm. And we we accept pops and, and everything like he's, he's our dad. Mm. And you know, we we I think we grew up in a quite a diverse. Um, in a diverse way, like in the way that Pops was playing on a bunch of different teams, there was always imports mm. around who were often black or most of the time black were going to the you know, US embassy for Christmases and Thanksgivings and things like that. So that was kind of ingrained in us as, a, um, as we were growing up. So to us, it was normal. You know, being here now and seeing it firsthand, it's, it's super confronting, I think, mm. first and foremost, um, because what you're realizing is when you do see the election results and how close they are, you realize that this is a massive country. And there is, besides all the major cities that you're seeing and know about, there are tons and tons of counties and, and towns and things like that that nobody's even heard of that are full of people that feel a certain type of way. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that stretches from north to south in, in mm. the state. So there's, there's plenty of people that you would never even see or think of um, within this country that, that feel a certain type of way. Um, and then honestly, in a weird sort of way, I think what's happened, obviously uh, you never want to say it's a good thing, but I feel like it's almost like a healing process that's been pushed out in front of everyone's faces. Mm. So now you have to talk about it. Now you have to deal with it. Now things do have to be implemented. Now companies are taking a look at themselves and, and saying, well, you know, what are we doing to, to make a better impact? Even Ben, um, you know, he did the, the campaign called Do More back there in Australia with a bunch of different people, which is ongoing. Yeah. Um, which we're super proud of. But even him as a, as a brand, he was saying, you know, I don't want to work with partners who aren't involved in making a change, which is, you know, quite a big thing for him to say as a, as a 24-year-old young man. Mm. Um, so, you know, people, I think it's a good thing in a, in a weird sort of way that, not that this has happened, but that it's in front of everyone and then we're talking about it. That's, yeah, that's yeah. how I actually feel about it. But the, you know, I often think about coming back to Australia to raise um, Devin, my little girl. Um, you know, I talk about that with Diane, about coming back eventually and, and maybe putting her through that school system. Not because of anything that's happened over the past six months, but because of their outrageous like, gun laws and stuff like that. Like you hear about school shootings like all the time, yeah. which I think we can all agree is crazy. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, those it's are just, the things that I actually think about. It's not a risk as a parent that you have to consider here because the world is just different here, right? And yeah, and I would totally understand why uh, racial differences, political differences, everything else aside, removing a risk from your children's life would be a fairly big motivator, right? Like we're all dads yeah. here, we would agree with exactly the same sentiment. And so, yeah. you know, yeah, I get that. And that's, you know, that would be a big consideration. Whilst you're there, you're there because you have to be and that's where you where your life is right now, but certainly looking back and saying, well, how do I remove my family from that risk? Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there'll be job, plenty of jobs going at Hunter Water and, uh, and uh, yeah. so on. Well, there's probably yeah. another one going, as I said, but uh, mine, I would suggest. But yeah, so uh, Sean, the Do More project that you just mentioned with regards to the work that Ben's done, this is all around not just the Black Lives Matter thing, but this is about giving people underrepresented people a bit of a voice and people I guess um, that potentially we're not necessarily always talking about Ben is 24 years old he's an athlete but he seems like he's an athlete with a social conscience 
we haven't always seen that. Like a lot of people with the last dance this year commented again on Michael Jordan kind of staying a little bit on the fence with some of the social issues that existed in mm. his peak time and even now to a degree. Um, but is that something that you see more athletes being motivated to do or is that just something that you think, you know, a guy like Ben, he's had a pretty solid upbringing, he's got a good head on his shoulders, he's intelligent, and so he's just more aware of these issues and wants to make a difference, mate. What, what's your opinion on that? I think it's a number of things. Um, I can't, I, obviously, I think everyone here has watched The Last Dance. Like, I, I kind of respect Jordan in the way that he went about it because he wasn't he wasn't shying away from, you know, not wanting to make a social change. He was just so hell-bent on winning. <laughs> he didn't really kind of want to worry about anything else but was still contributing in different ways. Um the world has definitely changed since he was, you know, the best player in the world. And, you know, you come to today where you've got guys like Ben leading the way. There have been multiple conversations that I've had with, you know, leaders in the industry. And there is a change in how these kids come into the league and what they believe in and their beliefs and how they grow up and, and the information they've absorbed while they've, while they've grown up. Um, it's just different. They're more socially aware, they're more environmentally aware, um, they're more conscious about their surroundings, they're more conscious about you know, everything that's happening in the world. Because of that, I believe it's because of the access to information, like they've mm -hmm. gone through that whole process of growing up with the internet in such a large way that guys that I talk to now that are 20 and 21 years old in the league, they're super conscious about everything that's going on. And mm -hmm. I think you would have seen that with players that were protesting and things like that during that time of um, BLM. And everything there were a lot of young guys who were putting their hand up and kind of saying you know well, this this isn't right and this is what i believe in as far as ben i mean he's always been um he's I mean, he's always stood up for for what's right which i which i always respect um and you know off the back of um do more and it's been something we've been working on for a couple of years launched the um bs ff ben simmons family foundation so that's come off the back of that which is great and it's it's such a simple thing that Ben wanted to address and it's just equality. Mm. And that goes for everything from the color of your skin to your gender to, you know, your religion, you know, growing up in a, in a, um, in an equal environment would be amazing. And, you know, it obviously has a long way to go, but that's his goal. And, um, and I think that it's an, it's an ad admirable goal to, to aim towards because I believe that in some areas you can definitely make change, especially within Australia, because I believe that, you know, Australia as a country is very um, forward thinking in the way that we go about things. And we're a super diverse country as well. Um, sometimes we don't acknowledge it enough, but, you know, I, I believe that we really are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And I think um, I've had personal experience and Streety and Nugget know <clears throat> my sister who is in a, like a same sex relationship and my yeah. nephew who is actually now obviously not comfortable with identifying as a boy is now kind of more identifying as a girl right now right. that's a that's a like that's a, an interesting situation for my family because you know we that's there's a number of different underrepresented groups in that and mm -hmm. and i must say the, the best thing about us as a family now is that we will talk about that stuff even my father who is you know he's, he's the patriarch of the family and you know he's I know when this all first happened, he wasn't overly comfortable with it, but he talks about it now and he talks about how we need to make sure there's an equality in uh, my niece's life that basically she doesn't feel 
any type of ostracized type of feeling or anything left out of anything. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's quite interesting to see my almost seven year old father going shopping for Barbie dolls for both of his nieces, right? Like it's cool, right? I mean, that's like, dude, he's not comfortable in that space, but like, you know, it's, it's just great because I know it's creating a better world for people. So Education and awareness. And often, you know, yeah. you have these young athletes coming to the league and it's, there's been a history of it not getting done on a political level. Uh, the political interests have sort of, you know, satisfied other areas hmm. where a lot of the social issues have sort of, you know, been pushed to the side. And, you know, hmm. if that change is going to happen um, up top, then you have a, 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 a section of the community in the professional sports world who have a, a large platform and a voice and, and a reach and probably far more respected than what politicians are. Um, and, you know, their opinions and thoughts and what they share resonate with, as you said, Sean, communities and counties that no one's ever heard of. But, you know, people in those places look up to guys like Ben and the young players in the NBA, you know, and they can certainly be an example. And as a result, things happen. It'll yeah. take a little bit of time, but, you know, the ball's starting to roll, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a slow burn, definitely, you know. Um, but as long as people are staying active within that, uh, what they believe in, then, you know, change will eventually happen in, in a number of ways so we're definitely moving into a new world where where you know access to information and you know people um realizing who they are as people it's it's coming to light and i think like i said before having that conversation first and foremost is a great thing to be open to that so and Sean, is, is that the type of thing we should be doing as people as part of this do more project should we be just encouraging people let's just have a conversation you know like is yeah, that the premise of do more is uh, to listen, learn, and act. So what we what we created was um, was interviews um, with, with different people from from various backgrounds, um, and listen to their story and kind of their experiences. And then you know, obviously through that listening, you're learning and being educated. And then hopefully through that osmosis effect, you're you're acting on it in your everyday life. Like you know, you're you're realizing things when you see it in real time. You know, like you're like, Oh, that's not right. Like we, we shouldn't be saying that or we shouldn't be doing that. Or, you know, yeah. that that's the idea because you know, whenever you go like that, that campaign was actually I'm really, really proud of um, what was accomplished through that and is still ongoing, but there were multiple, multiple conversations about how to go about doing something for Australia. And Ben was adamant on, on creating something that would live in Australia. So, you know, on the phone a lot, like, how do we address this? And um, people don't be, like being told what to do. So yeah. if there was a campaign that was abrasive and, you know, um, rub people the wrong way, it, it, it just wouldn't resonate as much. So this, it's, it's not a soft approach, but it's more of a strategic approach to, hey, these are real people with real stories. Listen to them and then you make up your own mind as to how you want to act with this. Yeah, yeah. So, it's a good point with what you say about people don't like being told what to do. You know, the whole COVID situation has really highlighted that uh, people don't like being told what to do, to wear a mask, not to go out, and then people take it, you know, and then you have a massive explosion of this virus that's essentially out of control now in the States. We've just had an, actually an outbreak in the northern beaches of Sydney just mm. starting yesterday, oh. just okay. right in, in, in sort of, you know, so they're basically trying to shut down essentially the whole northern beaches region and some talk about not letting anyone in and out and, the insular peninsula just got a little bit more insular for the next couple of weeks. So there's doubts about, you know, are, are the states going to, you know, reclose borders? Macca just shared, shared a story earlier about a plane that was flying to Western Australia last night. What happened there again? 
Oh, that, so they were on the red eye to Perth. I think it was Nugget that was saying it, but basically, because they've had the hard borders in place on the States and they've released them a couple of months ago. But basically, these guys got on a plane in Sydney and then uh, during their flight, the pilot announced, obviously, when you do arrive in Perth now, you've got to isolate for 14 days in a hotel at your cost. Mm. So, or you can just go home. So that was basically the decision the Premier made, like whilst the flight was in the air. So... There's all sorts of stuff like that, like just people making decisions on the run, which is, you know, I mean, that's the speed of the evolvingness of the situation, I guess. Yeah, a bit of uncertainty. And what about the season coming up, Sean? Um, Obviously, the season that we're expecting may be 10 times more hectic than what the players sort of went through in the bubble. You had a really protected environment where basketball was allowed to go on, no positive tests, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're venturing into a season where, you're moving from city to city, you know, an altered travel schedule and things like that. Um, how, how does the head of the Sixers or you guys as a, as a family unit or Ben, as, as he's a sort of a manager, sort of plan to tackle um, what's potentially coming up with delays and, you know, things like that? Yeah, um, I mean, you can't help the delays. It, to me, it just seems like a normal season in the like I know I say that and it's not accurate at all, but you treat it as a normal season. So he, I mean, yeah. he called the team playing today. They're in India right now. You know, there's nothing to do in Indiana. So Ben's going to yeah. stay in the hotel and then yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yep. Yep. yep, and then come back. So yeah. you know, to me, it kind of feels almost normal again, which is good. Um, there, there are things in place that the, that the NBA are doing um, to. Uh, hold the hold these players accountable for, for kind of what they're doing in their own personal time so you know there's, there's a 20 percent um escrow that's that's taken off the top um they're holding for you know loss of funds and stuff like that so that's something that's already in place but then if your team's missing games that's another one percent that's off your whole team off your paycheck Right. So you're missing four or five games. Ah, so the players are then accountable for their behaviour by those particular rules that are in place that will see them and their teammates lose income. Correct. Ah. So when you see, and this is we're going to sort of um, diverge off to a bit of a tangent after this point, but <laughs> when you see guys like James Harden, right, partying in Vegas, he's, he's got a trade demand out there and he's there's, there's video and photos <laughs> of him parting it up at, you know, at different casinos in Vegas on consecutive nights and not reporting to camp and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, um, that puts his organisation in a bit of a pickle in terms of, you know, your star player mm. is essentially trying to force the hand to, 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 to trade him, doing everything he can. But then, um, you know, he's, he's putting himself at risk and everyone else around him. And- uh, just so I want to say, before you answer this, Sean, I just want to come in defence of James just for a second here, right? Because I've, <laughs> been, I've been in Vegas, right? Now I'm a... Huskier gentleman as James potentially might be, but I don't know. He's probably fit as hell. But but what all I would say here is I got caught up with that whole pay fifty dollars and go to every buffet on the strip for twenty four hours, right? Like <laughs> that thing is a black hole that can lose time without you even realizing it. Okay, because you don't sure. know because there's no clocks. You don't know whether it's breakfast and there's breakfast foods on the buffet bar. And <laughs> mate, it's dead set. You could lose days in that maze. So, like, mate, I feel for James sometimes. You, you think, just lose time. You think you went with the? You think you went with the black hole option? I reckon he did, mate. I reckon it's an easy, it's an easy thing to fall into. And sometimes you just, you just lose three or four days at the buffet, mate. I guess well, he's got a, he's got an endless pit of money, so he can certainly afford it. But uh, yeah, I mean, just in terms of, 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was an interesting timing of the whole situation with the trade demand and then imparting and then, you know, as you say, the accountability for players in the NBA and the potential to, you know, put himself and his club at risk mm-hmm. and things like yeah. that. It's, uh, it, it's it'll Look, interesting sort of situations time like ahead. That, I mean, it, it's relevant because it's James Harden and the, the trade talk is, is, is kind of happening at the moment. But when you look back at any trade with a guy saying... I want to be traded. It goes for anything. <laughs> Get out. Um, it goes for kind of. It goes for any player because what you have now is a toxic, toxic situation in Houston. Yeah. And irrelevant to the Sixers and Ben and whatever that conversation is, Houston will do everything that they can now to get rid of that toxic, toxic situation. Yeah. Mm. So you're, and I referred back to it at the very start of this kind of interview. Is like. It's a business. The, mm. These teams aren't in it to for fun and games. These owners are billionaires who want to make money and want to be successful. Like that's mm. what they know. That's what, they, that's what drives them. Mm. So, you know, when you're talking about trade rumors and things like that, there's nothing to stop Houston going out there and saying, oh, yeah, we, we talked to Giannis and he's really interested in coming to um, Houston for a trade with James Harden. And then just like that, you've got someone like a, a Shams or a Stephen A. Smith reporting on ESPN, mm. and then you're creating an absolute fire to make people interested in this and to kind of force a conversation to happen around, you know, putting people in awkward situations and things like that. Got to fill so, that news cycle. Got to get the tweets out the shares. Well, I but think also, teams- oh, sorry, it's a, it's a business tactic. Like, of course. Like, yeah. honestly, what it does is it can sometimes put doubt into other organizations' minds that that their player, like, yeah, because there'll be some people in the Milwaukee Bucks organization that might read that and then go, geez, did he have a conversation about that? Like, you know, does anyone know if he did or whether he didn't? Like, you know, uh, geez, he's our marquee player. We've just dumped heaps of money on him. Like, you know, maybe his agent did have that talk. I don't know. Like, you know. Many yeah. things can be done from a player perspective, from an agent perspective, from a team perspective, to put them in a, in a better position to acquire a better asset for what they're giving up. Yeah. They don't want to give up James for, you know, a ham sandwich. Like, they yeah. want to get the best thing that they can. Mm-hmm. And any player that's getting traded for James Harden at the moment, you would be good. take the compliment. You'd be like, okay, well... I'm going to trade for an MVP. <laughs> right. right. So it's yeah. just like, you know, on one side, it's not a bad thing, but on the flip side, you're like, you know, this doesn't sound like a great situation. So... Yeah. You know, that I, I was told very early on when um when I started doing this for Ben is that there is there's always truth behind every trade rumor. Mm. You know, because teams again, this is a business, they're trying to win. Yeah. If they can create a, a a situation where it puts their team in a position to win, then they will look at those options. Whether they pull it off or not's another story. But you know, you'd be ignorant to to think that oh, no, they're never going to do that. Like, they're never yeah. going to give up, you know, that that player for whatever. Like, you know, you you, you would never think that, but it happens all the time. So. Yeah. It's How often do you have um, journos contacting you, Sean? Do you have often have, you know, messages and, and emails from, you know, reporters, journalists, blog boys? Um, I, I definitely have those contacts. I don't talk to them regularly. Actually, Shams... Uh, messaged me two days ago to congratulate me on uh, so what did he congratulate me on? Oh no, he said happy birthday to my fiance. Like, happy birthday. Oh. All right, cool. Um, what about words? Do you have words number in your phone? 
I met Woj once, um, Ben's first all-star, and then randomly saw him at a party later that night. Like, Woj was at a party? Yeah, was, I was like, you're like, come on, man. This is not your That might be almost as, uh, <laughs> almost as legendary as Delhi with the uh, double parked on Corona tinnies when, uh, uh, when the Cavs won. <laughs> yeah, he, he looked a bit hectic. Um, no, I mean, you, you make those contacts because it's a part of the business, but am I talking to them all the time? Absolutely not. Because yeah. the, their goal is to you know, get information and information is the, is the thing that you hold. Information's um, power, isn't it? Secretly, yeah. So, you know, anything to do with Ben um, from a private perspective or, or team perspective is, is held quite tightly. Um, you know, and that, that, go, that goes for when Ben was re-signing and, and all sorts of stuff. You know, there's, there's always tactics behind everything that you're doing because, you know, there's, there's a lot of money at stake and it's guys' careers that you're talking about and you never want to mess that up by saying the wrong thing to the media, which could be um, misconstrued for something completely opposite. So. Yeah. The, um, I guess the thing is, is that you saying at the start of this podcast that this is a business, that's probably a mantra that you have to continue to repeat to yourself because of the fact that, your tactics have to match team tactics, everybody's tactics, right? Like, I mean, the thing is yeah. you've got to consider the employer that you work for and, and you've got to make the best decision for, those, for, for him and for those guys, right? Like, yeah. So. But then mm. decisions made is you can't take anything personal. Like no. You can't take it personal that an owner wants to approve a trade for you to, to get rid of you because at the end of the day, he feels that that's what's good for his business. No. Like, and that's no yeah. different to in normal business when – when a managing director or a, or a CEO or whatever moves on from an organization and then yeah. they go somewhere else and then they immediately say, these three people that are working directly under me, I don't want you to work under me anymore. I don't want to bring in these three people that I trust, right? Yeah. Like that's, it's a similar situation, right? And, it, and it, it's just basically about who are you comfortable working with? Who do you think is going to develop an easy working relationship with? And therefore, who do you want to kind of, you know, have around on a daily basis. None of it's personal. It's just that people yeah. want want and think they'll get a result with someone different. It's no That's different at all. Yeah. Point in case is um, the coaching staff of the Sixers. The season. Mm. Doc Rivers completely flipped that to make it how he wanted it because he has yeah. a goal in mind for these guys and he's creating an environment for these these young guys to in order to succeed. So yeah, yeah. I mean, look at the roster, top to bottom, and the coaching staff, and you know, all, all respect to Brett Brown, you know, the once great Aussie, sort of you know, good connection there. But you know, it didn't sort of feel like throughout those three or four years, however long he was there, when when you know, when Ben was on board, um, just things didn't quite click enough. But I kind of get the impression that the roster's probably in a, in a in a better spot now than what it was. Last year it was probably a bit too top heavy, especially in the front line. But uh, I think it's just a, a quite a good balance. Um, across the squad and a couple of good Aussies there with uh, Thibel and uh, Brockoff just to uh, yeah, Brockoff make Australia's the team. Brockoff got the flick the other day. Oh, oh he got what? waved. Mm. Yeah, he got oh, waved. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry Streeting, no place for white shooters in the NBA, my friend. <laughs> Your dream's over, dude. <laughs> no, over a long time ago, but uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah. Might make it in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Uh, yeah. He'd be a good fit there. <laughs> don't, don't worry, Street. He's got a jersey for every city, mate. He'll just go to the fucking go to the bloody wardrobe. Got to get that collection going. Uh, the, the Russell looks really good, though. I mean, well, I'm I'm super excited. Sometimes I feel like I get more hype than Ben, to be honest. Like, I call yeah. him up and be like, "Can you believe it?" Like, yeah, this like, is who you got. 
Is he yeah, just kind of yeah. like? Is he kind of pretty cool and calm and collected about the whole thing? Is he sometimes? Yeah, super. He told me to stop being a fan the other day. I'm like, bro, uh, like, I love, like I love basketball. Yeah, that's stop right, dude. Uh, does, um, so, so has he got a Steve Nash moment? Like, is he like when he was sitting when he was sitting courtside at the Warriors Cavs Finals or whatever? Did you kind of get him? Dude, you're gonna have to get really good real fast because these guys are awesome. Well, like, <laughs> does, any wake up moments for him? You reckon? Oh man, I think uh, that's hard to say. Like the first year kind of sucked because he went through that foot injury. Yeah, so it was actually it was kind of it was actually really that's like the last day of camp or something, right? Like, and that was just like, yeah. He he went up for a board and came down on, and I'll never never forget this dude's name because Ben cursed it a lot of times. <laughs> Sean Long, who actually played for the Kings, I think, for like maybe two seasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Sean Long was waived off the, um, off the, the um, preseason team. So yeah. he never made it. So like Ben, we even run of, out of town if you had to stay anyway. <laughs> oh man, he was he's kind of like you know this fucking guy's not even gonna make the team. And, <laughs> and he I broke under, my foot for nothing, like you know. Which I get. I would say the same thing if I was in that position. Like, dude, I've fine. said the same thing to people that got underneath me in Monday night domestic games. Dude. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's yeah. The same. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, With know, an NBA player like Ben, who's so finely tuned as an athlete, you know, like, um, you know, you talk, talk about these guys are sort of at the peak of their athletic prowess, but, you know, you mentioned last year he had the, a back twinge and basically derailed, you know, the sixes, you know, essentially. And they're lucky that, you know, a blessing in disguise was that the pandemic allowed him to come back, but it didn't quite, quite work out. But when a player gets an injury... Um, you know, often, you know, in our sports here, guys can play through injuries with needles and stuff like that. But it, because of the level of the investment in some of these guys over there, it almost seems like the, the, the level of protectiveness is maybe a bit too much, but with, with good reason. Um, yeah. But, you know, you often see, like, how do these guys get injured so much? I mean, how do guys, you know, when they're playing, just, you know, drip, KD dribble the ball, just pop his Achilles like that. And then, you know, like just, just this relatively innocuous movements result in such sort of catastrophic injuries for a lot of these fellas. Um, feet, knees, ankles, backs. It's, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like when you think about it compared to any other sport, um, games played and time spent on court, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of impact. Um, and basketball in itself as a sport is super athletic. Mm. You know, you're using body parts that a lot of other sports would normally use like you know you're you're ducking weaving diving jumping you know blocking you know you're using every limb to your advantage like you're you're sprinting up and down the court on on not a big court by the way for these guys like it's quite proportionate to what they are you know so you're stopping and starting and stopping and starting and you know it's just there's a lot of movement and a lot of impact that these guys um take during a season you throw practice in there as well which back in the day was ultimately a lot more intense than what it is knowing what they know now scientifically and medically because they need to ease off the training between games it's just these guys their bodies go through it and i'll see ben after a game and he's got bruises and scratches and stuff all over his arms And it's kind of like, you know, his, his tattoo collection, um, you call it now, but it's just like, you know, after every game, there's something new that's like a, an abrasion on his on his body somewhere that he's mm. taken just from simply playing. It's just, it's just what it is. But these guys' bodies just get absolutely hammered. 
um, whether they like it or not. Like if you're on the court, your body's going to feel it. So, Does Ben you know, spend a fair bit of money on his well-being, mate? LeBron's notorious for, for saying how much. You know, yeah. when you're young, you kind of don't see it for what it is. Mm. Um, and, and you kind of take your body for granted um, because they, they feel like they're invincible, which is fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now we've definitely um, invested more in in his well-being as far as his body and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, that's probably where like a mentorship and a friendship with LeBron, who's you know 11 years his senior, can really reap the most benefits just by learning. You know, this guy's 35, turning 36, and going into year 18 or 19, whatever it is. But you know, spends a million plus on his body, but you know, really just concentrates on recovery and preparation and, and, and you know you can extend a career by five years six years if by just looking after yourself properly in that professional environment where you're playing every other day and maybe this season coming up you might be playing three out of four days and stuff like that so you know um, sports science is, is pretty integral same for us and lj just even kind of step onto the court for a simple training session like he's got two other guys there one's soft tissue prepping him the other dude's going through warm-up and, and, uh, and a stretching routine just to step on the court mm. and, and train. So it's nothing intense. <clears throat> when you see those guys at that high-level practicing, you just sit there, you just, you're just mind-blown sometimes. Like, man, these guys are that bloody good. It's, it, it, it's, it's crazy. Honestly, I feel like I could step in and hit a few shots and, and be up to Yeah, party. you can. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, boy. Yes, you I mean, could. If, if, if that's I was, exactly if I, what you should be thinking. Yeah, I mean, anyone, you, just, you get you, yeah. you have a double screen, you get set on the perimeter, you get someone who's a good pass, you're going to stand there and shoot the damn thing and it'll go in. Yeah. Double screen? Size. Give me the ball, I'll create it. I don't need no screen. What are you talking Knock about? Let's not get out of like, yourself here, mate. <laughs> hey, this is the we're, same if, mentality. If we were in an NBA game. Yeah, keep going. If we were in a game, the only thing that we could do that would be effective would be to have a double or triple screen set for us and we're open and some dude just hits us the pass, all we have to do is shoot it. If we had to Shame run, on. if we had to dribble, the guys would be all over us in a second. We wouldn't last. You couldn't even hit an open fast break layup. We'd get chased down blocked. Our only chance would be hitting an open shot with screens. That's true. Mate, I last, didn't even care about that. Ben. Yeah. Last time I played Ben was at LSU and it was oh. to one point. Like we it was like, what are we what are we playing to? I was like, he said, What are we playing to? I said one. And I started with the ball. <laughs> and what did you do? Drain a three over him, or did you? I'm fake three. Yeah. Nailed it. No. Walked off the court. He's like, "No, that's we're it. still playing." No, nah, man, it's over. Take <laughs> your shoes off, leave him at half court, and just say, "That's it, mate. The goat Game has gone." But I, like, I, I will appreciate Trudy. That is probably the reality, mate. But the reality is also too that I'll never get the chance to find out. So the way I'm going to live my dream is, <laughs> mate. It's the same way I go to the Australian Open, right? If I see Federer, I go, I could take a set off him. Like, I could take a set off Federer for sure, <laughs> right? And and I know that I can't. And I know that I can't even see his serve before, after he's hit it, right? But at the same time, mate, I'm going to watch an NBA game and go, I would have done better. Oh, Jesus, have a look at yourself. <laughs> so, because that's Sean, God, God-given right, Streety. Sean, uh, got a question for one of our listeners. Um, this is from our friend Smurf. He, he's written and he says... Now that you're looking fitter than your older brother, Liam, do you think you could beat him in a first-to-five one-on-one game? So this is off the back of your game with Ben. You walked off the court after one shot. Do you reckon you could take Liam in a game first-to-five? At altitude in Colorado. That's the... Um, Liam's always got the mental edge over me. 
always hard to say. He's always got that big brother edge. But yeah. I'd say my chances are pretty high. Yeah, fair enough. I suggest Liam would get pretty dirty, man. Like, as in, like, you'd have to watch yourself physically. He I was always that. dirty, even when he was better than me, like, back in the day. Mm. Dirty player, man. Very yeah. dirty. I've also got a question from one of our listeners. He's, uh, ironically enough, Liam from Colorado. Um, <laughs> he wanted to know, uh, long-time listener, first-time question asker, he, uh, he wanted me to ask you, um, has there been any type of sly little Nike orders on the side for yourself, mate, or something? Is what he kind of texted me. He's he's a bit suspicious that you might be that you might be taking advantage. It's a little bit like you know maybe the family inheritance or something like that. He's just kind of like, come on, come on dude, come clean. So anything you yeah. want to say in regards to that for Liam from Colorado? Yeah, what I'll say to that is that Liam has the same contacts that I do, but I pride myself on relationship building, so I might just be a little bit better than that. Yeah, no, good point, mate. Good point. On that, on that particular point, I've I read an article about the Philadelphia, the Sixers training facility, and mm. how good it was. Right. So before COVID, you said you went like, but is it as good as advertised, mate? Like the food, all that sort of stuff. Like they look after, yeah. like they look after the, the guys, right? Like, so. Yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah. So they got a chef in there with um with a whole team that you know they're there during um, training hours. So whatever you need at that stage, they're, they're cooking it up. Um, and it's not just the buffet of Vegas style. It's, this is like a... <laughs> yeah. yeah. T- tailored foods. Mm. Yeah, qualified and trained and all that sort of stuff. Um, Some sort of nutritional value other than powdered eggs or something like yeah. that. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. but they've, got, they've, got a, they've got everything that they need and everything that they can possibly want um, in, in that facility. Um, it's pretty amazing, and it, and I will say this: when we first got to Philly, they were they were training and um, and and uh, and lifting out of nothing better than a than a YMCA. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, it was absolutely because that facility was under construction, or is that like they were building it when Ben got drafted, and it was yeah. finished by the time um, he recovered from his foot injury. Okay, um, was that with the new ownership group or the previous one? Yeah, yeah, no, the new ownership group. group. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, the, the Sixers previously trained in a place called Pecom, and it was bootleg, to say the least. Really? Um, so if the yeah. Sixers um, decide to keep Ben, which what I would do, and, uh, and, and run it back this year with, uh, with, with an improved roster and uh, a new coaching staff, which I think, you know, you don't hire Doc Rivers and, you know, to get him unless you don't plan on keeping your core. That's what I do anyway. Can we expect to see a Lakers Sixers final? I wouldn't rule it out. Look, I like. I've seen different squads being formed over the past four years, and the Sixers team has always got the the young talent through Ben and Joe to go so far, mm. and they've just always missed those pieces that were integral in pushing them a little bit further. So they always had JJ, who I who I love and. Yeah. JJ Reddick, Duke Blue Devils, fucking yeah! A guy like him, he's such an important piece of a team. Like you know, his role with the Pelicans this year is, will be, you know, pretty high. Like he's he's not the Super most high. notable name in that yeah. roster, but he's he's a great glue guy and it just fit, he's a perfect guy to fit into a system. Plus he can shotgun a beer guys. too. See him shotgun that beer in the bubble. That was pretty good. <laughs> not fucking around with that. So. JJ, absolute legend. Um, you know, he was a staple in that three years, and then um, unfortunately, you know, things didn't work out. But you know, going to this season, you've got Danny Green, vet, 
couple of championships under his belt. From oh, Spurs, he's, la- he's, he's an omen. He won with the Raptors, went to the Lakers, won with the Lakers. So he's with the Sixers. So, so I've, I've got a bet on sports bet at 17 bucks for the Sixers to win the championship. I love it. Um, <laughs> Dwight, you know, um, as controversial as his career has been, the dude is a veteran and he's, he's won. And so that's, you know, integral in, in, in bringing these guys together. Seth Curry, who didn't even realize his three-point shooting percentage until he came to the team, is super high. That surprised you know, me too when that all kind of came yeah. about, that he was just like, yeah, yeah I don't know. It's awesome. Then you got Tyrese Maxey, who's, you know, a young dude who's, you know, um, ready to go pretty much. He's a, is he a clutch client? He is, yeah, yeah. Yep. So Tyrese was um, training. Um, I think he was the session before Ben would go in there at LA. So we've crossed paths quite a bit. So yep. Ben and him have already built up a relationship, which is awesome. Um, then you got guys like Shake Milton who have been working super hard on the game. Yeah, he's been playing well. Get to a sneaky, sneaky 16, 20 point game like every now and then. And you know, you've got. Tobias Harris, like, it's, a, it's a big year for that guy. You know, a lot of money, and Tobias, he, he's the he's the third wheel. He's, he's he can play that role perfectly. Tobias had his best years with Doc, but something that Tobias has done since he got to Philly, he's been super consistent. Mm. Um, you know what you're getting out of Tobias every night, um, and then if not more, which is great. And people always want more when it comes to that time in the playoffs, but um, if a guy's consistent, he can give you that every other night in, night out, and that's what you need. You need consistency. Yeah. You know what? It, the whole vibe of this team is just completely spun. Like, it's 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 amazing. Like, you know, you've got Doc that came in. He's, he played the game. He's, he's coached on successful teams. He's brought in his coaching crew, Sam Cassell. Um, who's the other guy? Uh, Yorks and uh, Brian. Is that his name? Brian? Uh, Dave, I think. Dave. Dave, Dave, Dave. Yeah. Um, Popeye Jones as well. Like, you've got all these guys who are, you know, have played the game and are now on the sidelines talking to these young guys like Joel and Ben. And, and running them through them um, through what this game is all about. And I, I think that was, you know, I love Brett and, you know, I've got a great relationship with him and, and all that sort of stuff, but that was a, a clear lacking factor on that coaching staff mm. was, you know, real experience on that court. Yeah. And, and, you know, that it, I think it counts for a lot when you're talking about these young guys who are trying to win a championship. I think it goes a long way. So, um you know, I, I think these guys are, are going to be very successful if they can um, if they can just mould as a team, which they seem to be doing much better than they've done in previous years. And, and I think they're, you know, sky's the limit for them. They can, they can um, be as good or as bad as they want to be. And that yeah. goes for pretty much any NBA team, but these sure. guys definitely have the talent to take them very far. If they Expect want the unexpected this season. Um, the team that, uh, that that probably stands in the way of the Sixers making the finals is your mate Steve Nash, head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. An <laughs> um, Eastern oh, Conference final showdown is. Uh, you is, would have been in constant contact with him, given how it went at the ESPYS that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we text a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we text a lot. Hey, Steve O, how's it going? Were you, were you surprised when, he, when that? I mean, that, that announcement came out of the blue. Steve Steve Nash accepts head coaching job with the Nets. I'm like, man, I thought this guy was fully into soccer now. <laughs> I mean, I didn't expect that, but good on him. I, I look, Nets are a good team. I, you know, I'm probably keeping myself for saying this, but I don't think, I don't think they have it this year. Yeah. I think if they stay together, I think they can they can build on something. 
maybe next year or the year after. But you got Katie coming off an injury, which is never easy. Kyrie's coming off a, I don't know. Being a loose cannon. Uh, he's just on another planet, man. I don't know what's up with that guy. <laughs> yes. What a mess of ways he's been behaving. He's so good. He's just like, I love Kyrie. Like, Kyrie's a great guy. I've met him a bunch of times. He's the, the, the nicest dude. But when you see him like, doing this stuff, it's like, fuck, man. Just... <laughs> what's actually happening there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. Yeah. So I, I think it kind of speaks a little bit. Like, the Nets, I think, would speak a little bit to the point you made before about people being patient, right? Like, this yeah. is not a league that you can just simply buy a championship in. You Like, as much as I know that the Lakers had changed their roster and those type of things, but there's a level of building a team that you need to go through regardless of what sort of talent you've got to yeah. be able to compete, right? Like, and, 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 you know, the Nets have gotten one part of it, which is part of the talent, but it, that's, now it's patience and time, I think. You know? Yeah. It's definitely what's lacking in the league. Like, to, some teams do it well. I mean, a sneaky team like Atlanta, like you see what they've kind of put in place at the moment. They've got a really young core and they've mm. added um, Bogdanovich and um, Gallinari. Um, great shooters, great players. Like, I feel like they're going to um, make some noise this season. Like, teams that are patient. Probably still good. shouldn't have traded Luca, though. Like, that's oh. probably a stretch. Like, oh, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, you'd probably look back at that and go, probably got that one wrong. But yeah, I don't know. Like patience for me, it just, yeah, I feel like it just, you, you have to have it. And the, and the teams that are win now um, means that they know that they haven't got much going on in years to come. Like they, yeah. they have to rebuild and, you know, you see. Well, I mean, you have, you mentioned KD. And on the flip side, some teams have too much patience. You see a team like Oklahoma, which have like, they seem to be waiting. For, <laughs> yeah. 45 draft picks. <laughs> you know, Sam Presley's got picks in 30-30. Like, who knows what it's he's like, doing? Uh, yeah. How do you it's think like, he goes to his to his boss and just goes, well, let's have a performance achievement plan chat or something like that. And he just goes, well, I got him some picks. Like, yeah, yeah, I like, feel oh, like he just hello. He has like a, a drawer of <laughs> yeah. like Every time he gets a draft pick, he'll just draw the number on it and drop it in his boss's way. Well, it's almost like a, it's almost a strategy that Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City has to have because, I mean, they're never going to sign a marquee free agent because who the hell wants to go live in Oklahoma City? So the best yeah. way to actually to build a team is to acquire these draft picks and then either draft guys when they're really shit, which is going to be, so there's a good draft class coming through, get a couple of good picks, or, um, you know, roll these picks into trades for disgruntled young players and just get a guy who's signed a five-year contract or whatever and trade mm. the house for him. So you, you lock up this guy's contract and, um, you know... I always, I always imagine... What would the league be like if um, if Oklahoma could have kept KD, yeah, um, Russ, and um, and Harden, like, and yeah. Serge Ibaka as well? Like he was a bit of a beast. Like that was a team, man. Like they were great. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And as they developed, they would have been pretty much unstoppable. So yeah, uh, well, depending on who you put around him. Sean, yeah. looking past the NBA season, the Olympics start the day after the NBA finals, right? Like now, is is for Ben? Is the is the Boomers and an Olympic campaign on his radar? Well, actually, I won't ask you to speak for him. But what do you think of the Boomers program now and our chances at the Tokyo Olympics? Yeah, no, chances super high. I mean, I I can go off what Ben said in his media day. Like he's, Hmm. if everything lines up, like if the season lines up where he can be available, then Hmm. 
winning a medal is is on his agenda. We won't talk about it. Like it's it's a it's a big achievement to play for your country and win a medal. So yeah, um, you know, representing your country, especially him being so passionate about being Australian, I think it means a lot. And and knowing the team that they can put together with guys like you know Paddy and Delhi, um, uh, Joe, uh, who else we got? We got Bainsy, um, got uh, Dante. Um, Josh Green. Josh Green, yep. Uh, Thibault. He's looking pretty good at the Mavs. Yeah, that, that kid's super athletic. Josh is, um, I've, I've been texting back and forth a lot with Josh and, and went and saw him play in Arizona. The kid's super special, very athletic, um, super down to earth, like just a, just a great kid and a great family. Um, he's going to do well, I think, in the Mavs. I think it's a great, um, great setup. Yeah, he's in, a, he's in a really, that he's, he's a good fit in that team with Luca and. Yeah. KP yeah, in their backcourt. So, yeah. what's what's Matisse Thibault like, mate? Is he like is he is he going to play for the Boomers? Is that like is he kind of keen on the Boomers program or what? I don't know. I'm not really sure. I think there was like a. I, I honestly don't know. I've never really talked to him about it. I think we. Yeah. I randomly said it like, I think I said after after a game last season. It was like, what the fuck, you're Australian. Yeah, that's yeah. so. It's like, oh, okay. He's, he lived in yeah. Sydney for the first couple of years of his life, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, he's, he's eligible to play. Then I thought it was kind of like one of those Kyrie Irving situations, right? Where they're like, yeah, he's born in Melbourne, but they go, you know, like, I don't know. He thinks he has to slap, so it's like, who knows where he's going to play. Like, but So the first time I met Kyrie, that's the first thing I said to him. Oh, yeah. When he put it on the green and gold, man. Yes. <laughs> what did he say? He said, yeah. First of all, I didn't know what I was talking about. Ah, right, okay. See, that says enough, right? It's like, no, you can't represent Australia. No, sorry, dude. If you don't know what green and gold means, mate, then you're out. So, Uh, Um, No, I mean, Tokyo's, it's definitely on the cards if everything lines up, but I think these guys could make some noise in a big way if they put together a little squad. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I like the fact that Brian Gorgian is the coach. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think it just gives... It gives the team like a, it almost takes it down a notch where it's not so serious. Mm. If you, you know what I mean, like Patty Patty Mills has always lit up the Olympics because I feel like there's been no pressure. Yeah, um, and I feel like when guys go and represent the country, I feel like they want to go and and obviously be successful, but at the same time enjoy what they're doing and not feel the pressure of having to, you know, win and, and do those sorts of things. Obviously, they want to do that, but naturally, you know, they they want to enjoy the experience as well. And I feel like Patty's always enjoyed that experience and, and felt free to kind of, you know, play to the level that he wants to play in, which has always been elite. Um, I feel like if you can implement that um, into this squad, you've got a lot of young guys that just want to go out and hoop. I feel like mm. you'll be su- super successful. Sean, I don't know if you can answer this question or not, but when Brett Brown was let go by the Sixers, did his position as the Boomers coach essentially become untenable just with sort of the roster and the players that the Boomers could have had or could have? I'm not really sure. I mean, um, I haven't spoken to Brett in a little bit, but, you know. I think, I think it could. Brett, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Uh, I just, I kind of feel like, I think what he was saying basically was it becomes then about for him finding a job to support his family. Like the boomer's job is probably not going to do that. And so he probably yeah, needed exactly. to. It's, it's more so from a perspective. To not commit of, to that. You know, I guess maybe, you know, can could, you know, if, if, if things didn't go well from a coaching perspective and, you know, the boomers are trying, basketball Australia is trying to attract guys like Ben and, you know, maybe getting Thibault to commit to Australia and, 
some other guys and, and, and Brown's the coach and then that sort of working relationship's been dissolved at the professional level. Does that, yeah. would, would that maybe have hindered the opportunity to, you know, bring those guys onto the Boomer squad to compete in Tokyo and, and maybe with, you know, fresh blood with, not, not fresh, with Gorgian's back, but, you know, I agree. I think Gorgian, he's a, he's a good coach in the sense that I think players he's, can, can really resonate with him as a person. And we've seen it before that he's just, he's a good coach to four players to have. But I kind of thought that, you know, when, when, well, I sort of joked if, if Brown gets fired by the Sixers, what does that mean for the Boomers? And ultimately, yeah. he, he sort of resigned that post. But maybe, yeah, I think you know. it was a personal decision for Brett. You know, I, I have no doubt that he'll be coaching again in the NBA sometime soon. Um, you know, coaching your country, is it a big deal compared to an NBA contract? Probably not. No. Um, so you'd want to focus on that and kind of and, and do what, whatever you can to put that in line. Um, weird, weird connection not many people know. Well, actually, some people will know, but is Ben was coached by Brian's brother, Kevin. Kevin. Box Hill. Yeah. Box Hill, so Kevin. Yeah. Which, is, which is really cool. Yeah. And he felt, and Ben actually speaks quite highly of Kevin and his coaching at Box Hill, right? Yeah. I love Kevin. He's just <clears> kind of, his, you know, he knew Ben was super talented. So he's just like, Go be talented. Yeah, do whatever you want, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's and Which you know what? That's a well. that's a pretty good strategy as a coach, mate. If you've got a Ben Simmons in your team, you just go, Well, what do you feel like doing, right? So uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Give him the ball and get out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, that you talk about um the, the water boy or whatever when the coach goes to Bobby Boucher, there is nobody out here that's any good, man. So you can't <laughs> like, I don't imagine that Kevin did that at Box Hill, but I imagine it was kind of the same mentality where he's like Okay, guys, we can go and win this, and then grab Ben before he leaves the dressing room. Okay, dude, you're gonna have to win this. Okay, mate. <laughs> it's all on you, buddy. It's all on yeah. you. <laughs> so don't fuck it up, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like that's probably it. Now, Sean, we've been pretty serious, mate. We've spoken about a lot of things. The one thing that we haven't spoken about: Christmas is a bit over a week away, or probably yep. a week away now. I think for us, we'll get over a week for you. What do you buy your brother when he's got everything that he's got? Is it? <laughs> Like, is it kind of like a here's a gift voucher to the cinema, or like do you got to you got to go a level above, mate? You know, I've struggled with this ever since he got into the league, and yeah. st- it's truly a struggle. Yeah. Like the first year we spent Christmas, it was just me and him. It was probably the saddest Christmas ever. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to get him, and yeah. you know, I was wasn't balling at the time by any means, but I was just like, I need to get him something. Yeah. And um, ended up locating this cheese that he really liked. I called up like 20 different places that stock cheese around Philadelphia, like local yeah. cheese. And I finally yeah. found it. It was, I mean, I did it. Yeah, um, no. appreciate it? Probably not. I was going to say, did he appreciate the effort? I bet he didn't. But he yeah. ate it. So that was fine. Was yeah. yeah. But, um, I don't know. This year, I've. I am definitely struggling. I still don't have anything. I'd, All right, dude. Well, I've go I've, with the cheese. Go yeah, with the cheese. The cheese. Just run with it. Life. Go with it. Is it, a, yeah. is it an annual thing? It's an annual <laughs> thing. It's the cheese, man. It's just got to become consistent. It's like my my father continues to give me a diary every year. So like you know like I'm like yeah, I haven't used it in thirty, but I'm good. That's good. Thanks. So, so I, I came up with a couple of ideas, mate. So I thought maybe the first thing that you might want to think about getting him is just a coffee mug that just says "World's Greatest Boss." Like so. Uh, that's a good one. That's actually really yeah. good. Yeah, so maybe you could do that. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had a mate who certainly wasn't 
enjoying the fruits of his labor like Ben has been, but you know, he didn't really want for much, right? Like he lived in Indonesia and was really quite well off, had, you know, any number of servants or whatever. So I actually got him one of those caricatures of myself, like, and, <laughs> but like he was in it, but he was really small and I was really big. And it just was kind of like a definition of our, I just went, you know what? I just want to kind of, it's like establishing dominance when you're in a fight with a gorilla, right? Like, you just <laughs> yeah. Do that, so, yeah. I like so, that. Yeah. So there's a couple of ideas, dude. You just got to think about those things, man. Yeah. No, I mean, that's definitely helpful. Yeah, yeah. The mug. I think the mug would be utilized actually. Yeah. World's greatest boss. Get on to it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. So, so yeah, Sean, to, to, um... or, or maybe, maybe, maybe get a t-shirt. I love oceanography class or something along those lines. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Like you got to think about these things. Like, yeah. Or oceanography major or something like that. I guess that's what they're yeah. calling it over there. I'm sure you're aware, like you saw the documentary that they made on Ben, like the one and done. Yeah. So yeah. The, the team that filmed that, they were, they gave him a great present. They gave him a, like a pop-up ocean book. Like as, a, as a thank you present at the end of the, yeah. these fish like popped up when you opened it. It was amazing. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Is it, I think that must have been deciding between that and the NCAA polo shirt. So, so <laughs> <laughs> it, really, it would have been pretty cool. Maybe you could think about getting him something like that. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, so man, what, one thing to wrap it up, Sean, and we really appreciate your time tonight. It's been a, a pretty awesome chat and a lot of uh, good info and um, it's been very insightful, but uh, one of the questions that uh, Macker had earmarked, and I'm going to read this verbatim from his message. Um, now, will it be awkward at the family Christmas event when Ben buys everybody a car and Liam buys everyone a Ferrero Rocher share pack? You know what? I'm sick of those fucking Ferrero share like. <laughs> it doesn't matter even if you put them in the shape of a Christmas tree. They still, yeah, still, still the same. Still the same, still dude. The same. It doesn't matter what packaging you put around it. So, what yeah. do, What do you call it when you're um, stringent with your money? You call it um, tight. Uh, yeah. yeah, frugal, 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 frugal. <laughs> yeah, frugal yeah. yeah. rochers. Yeah, frugal roast. Well, Sean, um, actually, here's another. I know Ben's into pets and he likes dogs, but maybe you could see if you can import a blue healer as a as a pet look, for Ben. The kid needs no more pets. Like honestly, <laughs> like, that's you got a story about a pet, didn't you? Have to wrestle his cat once. Like, is that what? Oh like, man, yeah, <laughs> yep. So maybe ben that's a good story to finish on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty right. epic. Yeah. Um, Ben bought uh, Savannah cat. Savannahs. That's it. Jeez, yeah. it's been a while since I told this story. So he bought a Savannah cat, which was great, and they can be domesticated. But Ben bought one female Savannah cat, which was an F3 level, which is a normal, just a little bit normal than a domestic cat. Um, just super athletic, basically yeah. the most athletic cat. Cat version of himself. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Ben <laughs> Ben wasn't too happy. So we were living um, in an apartment together at the time, um, right in the city. Um, where you probably just shouldn't have any pets anyway. But, you know, whatever. Ben's bored and whatever. Yeah. So, um, so we have the cat. The cat's name's Nala. Ben kind of gets a bit impatient with Nala because she's super lazy, doesn't do much. So he thinks that getting Nala a friend kind of liven things up and, you know, be a bit more, you know, um, adventurous and whatnot. So we get another. Sounds like he's thinking like a twenty-year-old at that particular point in time. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
It's another Savannah cat, but does it a level up? So this one's an F2. So oh, it's slightly okay. more wild. Um, and it's a male. Um, yep. So now Ben, as the, as the second cat comes in, Ben actually goes on a road trip for like five days. <laughs> and so the cat arrives. Yeah. <laughs> where the cat comes in a cage, and usually what you do is with the cats, because you want them to kind of get used to everything, you just open the cage and then they'll kind of come out when they feel free and, and whatever. So um, did that, cat didn't come out all night, super scared, and then walked back to the cage the next morning, cat's gone. Can't find the cat for five days. <laughs> five days? In the apartment. Was, the apartment wasn't that big, but it was like, not big oh, enough to lose something for five days. Like that. <laughs> Could not find it for five days, no yeah. lie. Yeah. So that happened first of all, and then absolute bedlam for the next month and a half these cats were running crazy through the place <laughs> to feed the cats i had to hold the the, the bowl of food about there's at least three feet in the air because if i put it any lower the cat's claws would scrape me so bad that i would like be bleeding all up and down my forearms like every night so i had to drop the food onto the ground and the shit would go everywhere so the, 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 all over the ground these cats would eat super aggressively like they never had never eaten before in their life. So I convinced Ben, I'm like, look, man, these cats are stupid. Like, let's get rid of them. Like, you need to get rid of the cats. Like, let's send them back to the breeders because, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do. And, you know, and I don't want to die. You're too busy. I was literally fearing for my life. Like, these yeah. cats are aggressive. They're wild animals. I'm like, holy shit. And every time you go near the male one, he'd, like, put his back up and, like, look like he was about to, like, attack. So I'm like, all right. So Ben agrees. So I send the I send the female cat back first. No problems. Gets in the cage, take it to the airport, send it off, all safe and sound. Now the next male cat was sending, and again, Ben's gone on another road trip. So he's away. So he's I think he was in Cleveland at the time yeah. and was heading to Brooklyn. I, I remember he was heading to New York. So that morning I wake up two hours early before I know that I have to get to the airport to drop this cat off. So knowing that I'm not going to be able to even touch it because the male cat, you couldn't even grab it. You couldn't mm. touch it or get near it because it would claw you. So there was no yeah. affectionate, it was not an affectionate. <laughs> so get up in the morning, open the cage, put some food near the cage. Cat walks up, sees me approaching as if he's going to put him in the cage. Uh, Madness. Yeah. Fast forward 30 minutes. I have an oven mitt and a broom in my left hand. <laughs> And I'm punching the cat in the face. Like, it's, a, it's a submission. And then they finally kind of just, kind of was just taking the hits and then gave up and then just walked into the cage. And I was like, all right, great. So close the cage. Now, next step, we have to go to the airport, right? Drive to the airport. I, I walk up to the um, counter. I'm like, all right, I have to send this, this cat away. Um, here you go. And they're like, okay, cool. So what you need to do is take the cat out of the cage and we'll just scan the cage really quickly. And then, um, then you can put the cat back in. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean I can't do that? I'm like, well, I can't touch this cat because it doesn't like to be touched. And then, and, you know, it's yeah. just, it's not going to happen. Like, it's well, going it to be bedlam around the airport, dude. Like it's going to yeah. go nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, they're like, well, if you don't take the cat out and we don't scan the cage, the cat's not leaving. I'm like, Fuck that. This cat is leaving today. It's leaving today. 
like all right i was like do you have a room or something that i can put the cat in and then, something enclosed uh, yeah something to yeah. confine it and like we have nothing like you're just gonna figure it out like, all right i was like i've got the car this is where the American service culture collides with the American right to say fuck you to anybody they feel like, right? Like, so yes. normally Americans, if you tip them enough, they do that shit for you. But at that particular yep. point, whenever I feel like I get to an airport in America, it's kind of like, I don't fucking need you, man. Like, you know, yeah. I'll do whatever exactly. I want. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Yeah. I let the cat out. I take the cage outside, let the cat into the car. And I take the cage back in. I scan the cage. And then I'm waiting for them to bring the cage back out. So I'm waiting next to the car. The cat's like hunched in the corner of the car. <laughs> and then the guy comes out. He's like, man, I'm sorry to tell you this, but every time the cage leaves the front door, I've got to scan it again. <laughs> so, I so now I've got the cat in the car. The cage has to stay inside. What am I going to do with this cat? I'm like, bro, I was like, you need to fucking help me, man. I was like, I need a box with a lid. I was like, I know you got a box with a lid in, in there somewhere. Let me see what I can do. I was like, all right, cool. I get a printer box with a basic lid. So I have box in left hand, lid in the right hand. Now I'm spending the next 15 minutes beating the shit out of the cat again, <laughs> similar to the house, to beat it into submission to get into the box. Now this car was quite big as a big um uh, range rover so he's um he's in the back of the boot at the moment and then he sprints to the front of the car so now he's under the passenger side um glove box so now i'm reached over the driver's seat punching the shit out of it with the lid again <laughs> these two guys who were like helping me were standing on the other side of the car so they're witnessing everything going on but they can't see in the car because it's too tinted so they can't see that this cat's like wild so then the cat springs up onto the passenger side window and sprawls out like it's claws, like everything's out, and, like hangs onto the window. And the guys like jump six feet back, like, oh shit, this is like wild animal. And then the cat can't keep its balance. So it falls like it's just falling backwards. I'm like, oh shit, this is my moment. Put the box under the cat. So it falls into the box, put the lid on. And I'm yelling at this guy, I'm like, bro, open the door. And, like the cat's like trying to bust out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like i have to send you photos to how big this damn cat is the guy's like what the fuck is in here i'm like it's just a cat I'm like just hold the box just hold the box <laughs> run around the car grab the box run inside i'm like where's the fucking cage <laughs> get it in yeah. What's going on? they're like what the hell are we about to put on this plane like we should be super dangerous <laughs> let the cat out put it in the cage slammed it up i was like all right this is your problem now not my problem anymore yeah. see you later i'm bleeding everywhere by the way like face <laughs> arms i got blood all over me it was 7 30 in the morning oh yeah i facetime ben yeah he picks up he's like whoa, whoa, whoa what is it i'm like fuck you man it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like not doing this shit anymore <laughs> i quit he just hung up <laughs> i was like all right Right. Oh, you need oh, to send story. us. That, you need to send us those photos so we can make that our social media post. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've loved having you on for episode forty-nine of Sports and Spit. Um, yeah, good luck for the uh, year ahead, and stay safe. And hopefully, the COVID situation sort of settles in some capacity. But uh, more importantly, good luck to yourself, Ben, and the Sixers, and hopefully, they pay out on my bet. <laughs> we'll, see how, we'll see how we go love yeah. it fellas thanks for having me I really appreciate it good, good on you buddy. thank you thanks mate see you. All right, legends.